Welcome back to the Brave Girls Gather B1 Study Podcast. Hi! That's my brave girl, and you're listening to Episode 2, the teaching from the study content of Week 1. Okay, so this week I picked my daughter and son up from school. They're 8 and 10, and we're driving home, and my daughter tells me, she's in the back seat, and she says, Mommy, today, during history, I felt like God told me to close my history book. And then when I opened it back up, it would be at the spot where I was supposed to be. And I said, hold on, wait, he just told you you're supposed to close a book and then you're just supposed to open it and it's going to be back where it's supposed to be. But God told you that, you know, I'm thinking, I don't know if God works that way, <laughs> but what do you tell her? Just hang with her, Mandy, hang with her. And so, so I asked her, I said, do you really, you think that God told you to do that? And she said, yes. And, and she said, and I did it and it happened. I, I closed my book and I opened it and I opened it right back to the page. And I saw your face, Kim. That's probably what I was looking like. I was driving, so she couldn't see my face, but I was like, okay. And then I said, well, well, you know, I'm going to challenge it. You know, and I said, well, why do you think that God told you to do that? And she goes, so I can learn to trust him. Right. And then my son goes, yeah, because if we can trust him with the little things, then we'll be able to trust him with the big things. And I was just blown away. I still am not 100% convinced that God told her to do that. But my goodness, her faith, right? Her faith. It was that faith like a child. And we talked about that this week. That was talked about and written in the study content about having that faith like a child. But we're going to start with talking about the broken things. On Sunday, I was sharing at my table that I had three different messages. And actually, I think one of them was a phone call. I had two text messages and a, and a phone call. And one of them was my spiritual mom. So a woman who's invested in me over the years. I call her my spiritual mom. She has no children of her own, but she has invested in me like a child. Uh, she called to tell me that a woman that we used to attend church with, that very tragically her young adult son, who's around the same age as one of my children, had gotten into a car accident. It was a fatal a car crash and my heart broke. I was devastated over thinking about what this mom might be going through. A little bit before that, I got a text message from a friend who told me that her husband was leaving. And then a little bit before that, I had gotten a text message from a friend who said that her, doc, her, her dad was in ICU, he got the flu, it turned into pneumonia, and now sepsis was taking over his body and his organs were failing. And I was like, oh my goodness, I can't, and I'm, I'm overwhelmed. And I'm just thinking back to our study and how we're talking about broken things and all of this is a result of the brokenness of this world. I, I began to think about just even this study and how maybe even I'm getting all of these messages at the same time because can bring that in here and share that with you. If, if you're experiencing brokenness, if something's going on that's hard, or someone you love is going through something difficult, they're not alone, you're not alone. Brokenness is a part of the world. And you have a handout there on your paper, and I'm gonna give you the first blank there. And it's sin breaks God's design. The fill in the blank is sin. And brokenness has been around since the beginning of time. And we saw that in our study this week. When God designed the world, he made it perfect. He had a perfect design. And then Adam and Eve sinned and sin entered into the world and it broke God's design. 
Hebrews 12, 24 is the verse for our study, and it says, And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. When I first read this verse, I, I just began to ponder, well, what does the blood of Abel speak? If God, if Jesus speaks a better word than Abel, then what, what does Abel say? And so I began to think about his story and think about his family and think about what it must have been like to be his mom. Think about it. You have this son who's walking obediently, right? Who has the favor of the Lord upon him. And he is slain by the other son who is not walking faithfully. It is a tragic story. And so what Abel's blood cries out is, this is wrong. This isn't right. This is unjust. This is not okay. This is not how it is supposed to be. And I think if we're all honest, we've probably said some of those things ourselves, right? There's some things that just aren't right. There's some things, it's not supposed to be this way. That woman that I knew from earlier in ministry was not supposed to lose her 21-year-old son. It's a product of brokenness. And then I began to think about how Abel brought a good sacrifice to the Lord. But yet he was the one who had to die. And then I began to think about Jesus and how Jesus brought a good sacrifice. But he was the one who had to die. And I just began to see how God can just weave a story together to show us something that we need to see. And throughout this book of Hebrews, we are going to go back to the Old Testament and we are going to see God's design and the story that God was telling. And it all began right there in the beginning. God doesn't miss a thing. I'm excited for you to go on this journey and see just how perfect God's design was. Now, God did not leave us in our brokenness. He didn't, he didn't go, okay, well, there's just brokenness here and we're just going to have to just deal with the brokenness. No, your second fill in the blank is Jesus fixes broken things. Jesus fixes broken things. He is God's redemption gift to humanity. And I brought a gift. When you see this, when you see this box, I want you to think of the gift that Jesus is God's gift to us. And did you know, if, if, you, if you look in Colossians 1.15, it says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. He existed before anything else was created. Jesus was there in the beginning with God. When the world was created, Jesus was there. In Genesis chapter one, Jesus was there. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, it says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. So what that means is, is that God knew before he created the world that we were going to break it. And he knew that he was going to send Jesus. So it wasn't like he created this. And he's like, look at how great they are. They're so perfect. And then they broke it. And he was like, oh, why'd they do that? He might have, but he knew that it was going to happen. And he knew that he was going to have to have a plan. And he could have just sent Jesus right then. But I don't think that we would get it. I believe it's part of God's grace and his mercy that he would wait. And that he would tell a story through the Israelite people 
He would give us the shadow of heaven. He would give us the shadow of Jesus through the Israelite people so that we could see his perfection come together. How many times have you heard a story like you heard a truth and, and you couldn't quite grasp it, but then you heard a story attached to the truth and then just kind of the lights came on, right? The Old Testament is God just telling his story through the Israelite people. And what he's demonstrating, and we need to get this, is that we cannot work out our own salvation, right? We, we can work out our salvation in Christ, but without Christ, we can't earn our salvation. And so God wanted to, part, part of his story through the Old Testament is demonstrating that, that in ourselves, left to ourselves, we cannot secure salvation. Salvation can only be secured in Jesus. So God knowing that this brokenness was going to happen, had a plan to send Jesus. And Jesus fixes the broken things. He redeems the broken things. He takes the broken things and he puts them back together. And he started with, the first thing he started with was our relationship with God. That's the first thing that Jesus redeemed and restored. He restored us into right relationship with God because God is holy and he's perfect and we're not. And sin separates us. It separates us from the, the holiness of God, even in our own interpersonal relationships, right? If we've ever sinned against someone, it's really hard for us to have true intimacy in our relationship if there's sin in the way. If they're doing something that's against us or holding something back from us or if we're doing it to them, then it just severs the relationship, right? And so when both parties come to a place of making things right with one another, the relationship can be restored. And we, we in our imperfection are not able to restore that relationship to God. God needed to send a perfect sacrifice. He needed to come to earth, embody a human being, and walk a perfect life that we could not walk and become the perfect sacrifice that would restore our relationship back to God. If you remember in the study this week, it talked about kind of the Old Testament is like these puzzle pieces. And when the puzzle all comes together, it's a picture of Jesus. That's what we're going to find through our study of Hebrews. And we're also really going to dig into more of why is Jesus that perfect sacrifice? By the end of this 10 weeks, I believe you're going to know that. It's going to make sense to you. You're going to grasp it like you've never grasped it before. So what is our part? It's number three. It's your fill in the blank for number three. Your fill in the blank for number three is faith. Faith unwraps the gift. You see, the gift is here. It's there. It's waiting. But we have to unwrap it in order to receive it. And we unwrap the gift of Jesus in our lives through faith. Faith is the key ingredient that activates the power of God in our lives. In Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift, the gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. And in Hebrews 11:6, it tells us that it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone that comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You know, I was talking with a friend earlier this week and she took a step of faith. We talked about it. We talked about she was going to take this up of faith. She was going to do it. And she did it. And guess what? It didn't look good after she took the step of faith. Like sometimes 
we can take a step of faith. We're like, I'm going to take the step of faith. And we do it. And like, God's like, whoosh, right? He comes in. You're like, yes, praise him. You're calling your friends. You're texting them. And you're like, this was awesome. And then like what happens as we start to mature in our faith, and we're going to talk about maturity in the faith as we move through the book of Hebrews, we're going to find that sometimes God, he wants our faith to grow a little bit. So he makes us wait a little bit. Or sometimes when breakthrough is coming, sometimes it's going to get worse before it gets better. And so that's what I told my friend. What I told my friend is, this is where you exercise your faith. This is where you demonstrate that you believe that God is faithful to work through your obedience, even if it doesn't look like what you thought it was going to look like. And so the more we demonstrate our faith, I believe the more God puts us in situations that are going to require more faith because he wants to strengthen us in our faith. He wants to grow us to that next place that he's taking us. When we read the introduction of Hebrews this week, if you read it, if you didn't and you have an opportunity to go back this week and do that, I encourage you to do that. But it's it's written to a group of people who wanted a comfortable faith. Now, for them, you know, just to really kind of get in their shoes for a minute, they were going through some hard stuff, right? And so they wanted to um, take Jesus and they, they wanted to Judaize him because they were Jewish. This was written to Jewish believers of the faith. And so they had grown up in this system that we're going to take a look at as we move through this study. And things were done a certain way. And the, in this way that it was done, it was accepted. That way was accepted. And so Jesus was to some people kind of this, well, what are you talking about? This, this is the way that we work our salvation out. And so they were undergoing great persecution because they were believing that Jesus is the only way and he is the truth and he is the life. And so they just kind of wanted to package Jesus. They wanted to take him and they wanted to put Jesus in the box. But guess what? When you put him in the box, you don't unwrap the gifts. You just put him in your box. And following Jesus is not comfortable. It makes us get very, very uncomfortable, but it's very, very worth it. It's worth the amount of uncomfortableness that we are going to walk through and that we are going to go through. Because the more we exercise our faith, the more we see God. And in this world where you can't really place your trust in anything, when you get to see the power of God, when you get to see God show up, when you've demonstrated the faith, when you've held on, when you've taken a new grip and you've held on tight and God comes through, there's nothing like that. It is supernatural. It goes beyond natural. You begin to live in something that's higher than this world and what this world has to offer. And so if we want to see the power of God in our life, we must demonstrate faith. In Hebrews 2.3, it says, So what makes us think we can escape? If we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord, Jesus himself, and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak. All throughout the book of Hebrews, we're going to find some stern warnings. There's going to be times we're like, oh, wow, ouch. And I don't want us to ignore those spots. I want us to press into those spots. They're there for a reason. Don't leave the gift unwrapped. Because when we get to, uh, we open the gift, we get something very, very good. And when we don't open the gift, when we leave the gift on the table, if the book is true, if the Bible that we're reading is true, there are consequences that we don't want to encounter. So what do we get? What do we get when we open the box? 
It is your fourth fill in the blank. And it is hope. Side note, that's my middle name. We receive hope for today and we receive hope for tomorrow. Jesus secured our eternal future. We don't have to worry about death. He conquered death. I mean, probably the biggest fear in existence is dying, right? But we don't have to fear death. Death for us, for those who follow Jesus, it's the beginning. So that is the hope for our future, that there's going to be a day when we're there's no more tears, there's no more pain, there's no more suffering. I heard a podcast today of a woman who, she was in labor, and her heart stopped. She died in the delivery room, but then was brought back to life. They performed CPR on her, and she came back to life. And she said about the experience, she was talking about the experience, and she said that when she left, when, when she had that moment where she was no longer here, she entered the presence of God. And when she entered the presence of God, she did not want to go back to earth. She was in labor having a baby. And even meeting her newborn child did not matter. I was listening to this. I just started sobbing. That's how good, she said, the presence of God felt. That she didn't even need to say goodbye to anybody. She was like, bring it on. Here I come. And then she was brought back. But she lives with that experience today, and she has some type of rare heart problem where she could die at any moment. At any moment, her heart could just stop beating. And so she literally lives like every day is a gift. She has three children. Her youngest is five. And she says she is at complete peace. If she were to be gone today, she's at complete peace because she knows that heaven is good. Heaven is good. But we get more than heaven and eternity. We get hope for today. Hebrews 6.19 says, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain and into God's inner sanctuary. You know, I look around the world and I see like everything's always changing, right? Is, it, is there anything that's not changing? Everything's always changing. Relationships are changing. Relationships that you thought would always be the same change, right? Our jobs change, our cities change, our homes change, people change, churches change. Things just change. They're always changing. But God is the only thing that always stays the same. And I love how he even put it into creation. You know, the sun doesn't move, right? The sun is always there. But at the night, in the night sky, we can't see the sun. It's there, but we can't see it. And even into creation, God weaves the understanding of who he is that he does not change. And even when you feel like you can't see him, he is still there. He's an anchor. He's an anchor for our souls and he's hope. And there are people in the world, maybe you need hope, but there are people in the world who need that hope. They need hope for their future, for their eternal destination, and they need hope for their situation right now. Hope is inside the box. And we get to give hope away. It's a gift that we get to give away. I was in Dallas a few weeks ago for a women's conference. It's a women's conference that one way or, or another, I try to be a part of it every year. It's called If Gathering. If you've never heard of it, check it out. It's amazing. Uh, and so after the conference, they had given us these cards, these conversation cards. And our, the friends that I was with, we hadn't got to talk about our questions yet. So we went to dinner and we kind of put the questions out and everybody took a question similar to what we, do, we did here last week. 
And um, I, I picked up my card and it said, who needs hope? Who in your life needs hope? And I was sitting there thinking about it. I'm like, everybody needs hope. <laughs> There's a lot of hopeless situations around me. I need hope. But as I was sitting there thinking about it, our waitress, one of our waitresses, we were in a restaurant that had more than one waitress for our table. And one of the waitresses came by and she leaned over. She said, how are you guys doing? And as soon as she leaned over and looked at me, I felt like God said she needs hope. I was like, all right, here we go. I just start praying for her. My friends are not aware of this. They're not aware of what God is stirring in my heart. And I'm just, I start to pray. I'm like, well, God, well, what do I say? You know, do I just tell her you need hope? <laughs> you know, what is this? And I just began to watch her and I began to just look at her countenance. And I could see where when she walked away from the table, the smile on her face, it went away with her. And she looked like she was heavy, like she was burdened, like there was something deep that was really bothering her. And I love it when God does that. If we don't pay attention, we don't see it. But all I had to do was look at her and I could see it. I could see it on her. And so I waited and I waited and I waited. And everyone at the table did all of their questions. And then I did my question and I said, our waitress needs hope. And they're like, maybe are you going to tell her? And I said, I think so. I think if God gives me the opportunity, I'm going to tell her. And God gave me the opportunity. She, she start, just the perfect moment where she starts walking by and everybody at my table is still talking. They're not even paying attention to me in this moment. And I stand up and I said, Miss, I'm sorry. Excuse me. I know this may sound a little awkward, but I couldn't help but feeling that maybe there's something in your life happening and you need hope right now. And you, if you just saw her face, just like, how did you know? I said, does that make sense? Does, is that speaking to you? And she said, yes, yes. And I said, I want you to know that Jesus is your answer. He has the hope that you're looking for. And he wants you to know it. And I believe that he brought me to this restaurant tonight because he wanted me to tell you that. He is the hope that you're looking for. And she started crying and she grabbed me and she threw her arms around me and she hugged me and she said, thank you. I think that we hold this gift. We have this amazing gift and we hold it. And we keep it to ourselves. We're like, it's amazing. It's great. And God's like, I want you to give it away. And so that's another hope and prayer that I have for every woman in this room is that you would understand this gift that you have. And there are people out there, they're just waiting for it. They're like, I need this. I need this hope that you have. And maybe you're in this room, you're like, I need the hope. I'm here because I need the hope. And that's okay. I need the hope too. I need the hope every single day. There's not a day that I don't need the hope of Christ in some situation, even the situations in my own life. Romans 15, 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, he's the source of hope for every situation, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. When we trust him, we get joy and peace. Then you will overflow. You're going to overflow. You're going to have so much hope in your life that you're going to look at the waitress and you're going to go, she needs hope. And I'm going to tell her, I'm going to tell her the name of hope and with confident hope through the power, the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it on your own. I did not talk to that waitress in my own strength. I talked to that waitress through the spirit of God that was in me beckoning me to tell her the name of hope. And this verse tells us that the more we trust him, the more confident our hope will become. So when we're in those places and we're in those spaces where we're like, I trusted you, God, raising our fists. I've done it. Why? I thought this was going to be different. And we just go, you know what? This is hard. But I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to trust you. It all looks like a bloody mess. But I'm going to trust you again. I'm just going to place my trust there. I'm going to see what you do. Our hope grows more confident because he will move and he will come through 
when we move through this study, when we get to chapter 11, we're going to read a long list of heroes of the Bible. And there was not a one of them that faith was not required to produce the miracle. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word of truth. Thank you that you are hope. 